This is Shelf Marks and I'm Zoe Cummins, podcaster in residence for the Royal Irish Academy. This is a short bonus episode of Shelf Marks. Niall Williams and Christine Breen are the authors of numerous books. Niall has been long listed for the Man Booker for his History of the Rain and his most recent novel is This is Happiness. Christine Breen's first novel is Her Name is Rose. Together, their most recent book is In Kiltumper, A Year in an Irish Garden. Niall and Christine joined us for our Culture Night special episode of Shelf Marks to talk about writing and the natural world. One of the aims of this podcast series is to commission new writing about nature, and both Niall and Christine have written a short piece for this episode in the same style as their entries for In Kiltumper. They explore their own relationship with their garden, writing and nature. The Garden in Mind I've been thinking recently about the relationship between nature and writing about nature. I've been thinking about it particularly in the context of the bit of nature which Christine and I are charged with minding here in Kiltumper. I use the verb charged intentionally, feeling as I do now a sense of, yes, I suppose duty, being enlisted to it, but more exactly, bondedness, of being bound to the place. We have been making the garden, or gardens that are now on all sides of us, the perennial beds, the raised vegetable ones, the wending grass paths and the wild places, for half a lifetime, and have just about now reached the place where we are familiars with each other. It was partly in recognition of this that we felt now was the right time to write about that relationship. But in the year of doing just that, I became aware of another one. I'll try and explain it like this. First, there is the person in the actual landscape or garden. There is the physical, sensual engagement with the earth itself, and during this, in my experience, there is no time for or thought of words. What there is, is effort. The digging, clearing, barrowing, cutting back, whatever the garden might need on any given day. And in our relationship with our garden, it needs something every day. These take all your attention. And though from that close enough to kiss attention, you may notice things. The pattern on a leaf, the particular redness, say, or pliability of a stem. These things give you only the smallest pause. For the job, like all garden jobs, is too urgent to put aside for now while you go and make notes. So, second, and sometime later, maybe that evening, maybe not for several days until the bars of the rain tell you to let the garden rest for today, you sit to try and write about something that struck you while you are working. You do no actual barrowing, cutting back, pruning, clearing that day. But in Seamus Heaney's image, dig with your pen. But here's the thing. On your page, no matter how practiced a writer you are, a second garden emerges. It is not the same one that you stood in. It is a garden in mind. 
Now, you know the garden better than anyone, so it might be supposed it would be possible to describe it exactly. You could list every plant. You could try and describe their attributes, colour, shape, smell. You could even try to capture what it felt like to be standing beside each one. But none of this would approach the experience of being in the living company of the all that is any garden. It is simply impossible to capture nature in its entirety in language. Which, I have come to think, is a good thing. This does not mean that nature writing is redundant. The very opposite, in fact. The second garden, the garden in mind, that cousin of the firstborn, both memorializes the actual one as well as creating its own version. The garden that enters the reader's imagination. The one they help create around them as they read the words on the page. The blue of the delphinium that they see when they read my description of it. It'll be a blue neither quite the same as the one I see when I look out at the garden, nor the blue in the plant encyclopedia. It'll be a third thing, their own blue delphinium. And this is just, well, wonderful. All nature writing, it seems to me, has some element of this same three-way engagement. The actual space, the attempt to render it in language, and then the version imagined during the experience of the reading itself. And here's a final thing. Ultimately, it is a triangle. Because today, Christine and I have heard from a bookshop in Alabama in the United States that our book about the garden here, in Kiltumper, is finding readers there. And having read about a garden that they have never stepped in and only met through words and their own imagining, readers have returned to the shop with one comment. I want to go to Kiltumper. The actual garden and the one in mind joined. Walking out on this near motionless blue early morning in late summer, a cool but feather-light breeze brushing my skin. I am reminded of a Van Morrison line from his song Coney Island. Wouldn't it be great if it was like this all the time? We've been having a second spell of sunshine. The sun is behind our grove of sycamore and ash and copper beech. As I walk across the flag path that separates the house from the perennial border, I note that it's been a good year for flowers here in Kiltumper, even though there were long bursts of rain. Agapanthus, Phlox, Helianthus, Rudbeckia, Japanese anemone in three colors, and a blue delphinium blooming a second time. Nile's rosebed is beginning to flower again, too. Dark green shadows from the sycamore trees are not waving because of the utter stillness. Their shadows long and fat. Finn, our golden sammy, a mix of retriever and samoyed, sits near me, he plonking himself down on the grass, cooling on the morning dew. The grass glistening is full of clover and long daisies. Finn listens, so many sounds, turning his head swiftly west in the direction of Reedy's Hill, his black eyes focus on the sound of a cow bellowing. It's that time of year when the calves are separated from their mothers. Then east, 
Finn's head follows a sound up to Hayes' hill, where one of Tommy's dogs bark. Then straight ahead, southward, where up in the pine trees a blue tit sings his long trill. I watch Finn listening, and it is calming. Rarely do I just sit outside and listen and watch. There is so much gardening to do. But something about the near, complete stillness and the blue sky makes me think I too should be quiet. It's as if the garden is giving back to me, giving me back nourishment and beauty and a lesson that sometimes it's all right just to be. Finn rises and stretches, his whiter-than-white coat damp. Now he watches bees hovering above a sedum, ready to burst into red flowerets. He follows the flight of a small tortoiseshell butterfly as it eventually lands on a verbena. Its wings clap to a silent sound. Suddenly alert, he hears in the distance, long before I do, a tractor coming. He dashes down across the lawn to the stone wall in the gap between the cabin where my grandfather and great-grandfathers lived and an arching Berberis to await Michael's tractor passing, his feather tail waving gracefully. Each time, Finn hopes the passing tractor will pull up and stop and say hello, but it never does. To me, it seems like his eyes narrow and he feels sad. I sit outside with Finn on this gorgeous day and listen to the bees, to the cows, to the nearby horses, and to the birds, although I can't quite identify which bird is singing. Songbirds here are mostly small birds, smaller than a sycamore leaf. Their tiny shapes, no bigger than my hand, are obscured by the network of branches. Eventually Finn brings me a stick, and I stand and throw it across the lawn. He bounds away to retrieve it, that great big tail waving like a flag, and I think that, while it is not like this all the time, it sometimes is. It sometimes is. Thanks to Niall Williams and Christine Breen. In Kiltumper is published by Bloomsbury. Thanks to Matt Purcell for the recording. A full episode of Shelf Marks will be back next week with poet Jane Clark and an exploration of uplands and walking through the work of Robert Lloyd Prager. This series is funded by the Arts Council Literature Project Award 2022-23.